So does anybody have any meditation questions or anything related to that for us to talk about at this point? Does everyone feel like your meditation is progressing in a satisfactory way? No exceptions? <laughs> okay, in a satisfactory way. All right, let me ask it differently. How about as fast as you'd like it to? <laughs> uh, <okay. Well. clears throat> That's right. <laughs> yes? Given that, then um, how do you uh, prolong a period? If, if your meditation is going such that you have periods in a, in a session where maybe you were at a place where you have a pity and sukha, pleasant states of body and mind arising, and they come, but they don't, it's not like they stay from mm-hmm. that point on. How do you uh, extend that, uh, when the meditation gets to the point where you feel it's a good platform, or your normal, your highest platform, mm-hmm. then how do you extend that uh, uh, period of time you can okay. stay? Well, if you think of it in this way, that the, that, that, that Pithi and Sukha came as a result of certain causes and conditions which were conducive to a coming, and that likewise, when it ended, it was because causes and conditions changed in some way, right? And uh, so the answer will lie in understanding more clearly what the causes and conditions are for its present and also what the causes and conditions are for its disappearance because that's how you can exert your influence is when when you can see what is changing in terms of... uh, what's going on in your mind, uh, then, then, you'll know, then you'll know what you can do about it. And there's a really important sort of principle in, in that whole thing. But right from the beginning of your meditation practice, in the earliest stages, every time you had a meditation that was going the way that you wanted it to, for one reason, for, you know, in, in one sense or another, uh, the, the reason that it was going that way is because the right causes and conditions exist. And the times that it, that didn't happen, there was different causes and conditions. Sometimes they're really obvious. Sometimes you've been having uh, a lot of s- mental stability and clarity, and then something comes along in your life to get you emotionally upset, and you sit down and meditate, and well, it's going that's really that's really obvious. But then, as you go along, you start you start it starts to get more and more subtle. You know, is okay. Am I getting too attached to having a meditation in a particular way? If I let go of that attachment, then uh, I'm more likely to have the kind of meditation that I want than if I start. Getting, getting too intense and, and, and trying too hard because the trying gets, away, gets in the way of it. So all the way along, the same principle is applying. Everything, the, present, the presence of anything is due to causes and conditions, and it's passing away is due to some change in causes and conditions. And 
we really are limited in in what we can do. So it's really important to understand as well as we can those causes and conditions so that we can succeed in doing something about them. I don't know if that's helpful. It's not exactly a direct answer like, well, you should do exactly this and then So then what would the causes and conditions for pity and sukha be? Ah, so there you go. There's a good question. What are the causes and conditions for pity sukha? Uh, and by the way, I think there might be some people who are still saying that. Pity for who? <laughs> <laughs> sukha, is that an artificial sweetener? <laughs> um, joy and happiness. That... Uh, that's basically what piti sukha means. Uh, it is a, a, a quality of, of pleasantness of body and mind and a certain vibrancy and energy that is there. So uh, that's what piti sukha is referring to. Sometimes translated as rapture and bliss, which uh, I think can be a little bit misleading. But uh, that's what Piti Sukha is. Okay. So, what is the cause of Piti Sukha? Well, <coughs> but the simplest way to, I, I think, to describe the cause of it is it is the state that your mind very, very naturally moves to when. The, when some parts of your parts of your mind aren't struggling with other parts of your mind, when your mind, when all those different mental processes start to come into sync with each other and start to come into harmony, and so that you don't don't have the sort of subtle uh, disturbances in your mind, then that's when the piti and sukha arise, and when they go away is when something starts to generate some kind of agitation in the mind. And uh, not necessarily saying this is what's causing it to go away in your case, but very often when a person person first has a meditation where they, they have a lot of piti sukha uh, arising, um, then they can start trying to hold on to it and start judging, you know, well, is, is this as good as, uh, as, as it was? Uh, or uh, you know, trying to make it come. And this creates a tension and an agitation and a disturbance in the mind that just is going to keep it from happening or is going to cause it to go away. You start clinging to it. If you, there's an excitement that comes with piti, a joy, and, and it's like, oh, wow, this is wonderful. This is great. Maybe I'm enlightened now. And then, and then it goes away. Well, where did it go? I want it back. Where did it go? No. So, you know, uh, it seems to it, it it seems to depend very much on the degree to which uh, all of the different parts of your mind are are willing to to be with whatever is happening in the moment. And we all experience a version of Piti Sukha. Anytime we're doing something that we really enjoy doing, and we just get totally engrossed in it, and we forget everything else, and we're just happy as clowns doing this, 
and nothing else. And everybody's had that experience, right? You know what it's like. You know, and in psychological terms, it's called flow. And psychologists write books about it. And, and what's interesting is that is that when they go and they uh, take the descriptions of people who enter a state of flow, and you look at them, it's like, oh, that sounds just like what we're trying to do in meditation. A person who experiences flow in a favorite activity, in a hobby, or something like that. Somebody who just, you know, when they're doing it, they they say, I'm just totally absorbed in what I'm doing, and nothing else really matters. And uh, you know, so, what that means is every part of their mind is sort of, you know, on the same task at the same time, and the mind naturally comes to this state of, of joy and happiness. And so we, we've all experienced piti and sukha at those times when uh, when we are doing those kinds of activities. And now we can do the same thing in meditation. And when in meditation you can unify your mind, when you bring about this unification of your mind so that instead of being all these different processes creating this agitation because they're not necessarily all trying to do the same thing at the same time. That prevents it from being there. But when you calm and stabilize and clarify the mind, then you find the pity sukha comes. You can help to bring it on by uh, doing, doing things before you meditate and as you meditate that will bring feelings of joy and happiness to the fore because it is kind of a positive feedback thing. When, when there's joy and happiness, it creates more joy and happiness and it sustains itself. And it, it, at some point, it begins to, to carry itself and perpetuate itself. So uh, if you take a moment to appreciate the, the the wonder and beauty of uh, being a sentient being in this world, in this moment, the, uh, the, the sensations, the, the pleasantness of your body, the comfort you feel, you sit down to meditate and you start your meditation just settling into that, that pleasant feeling of how it is just to, to be seated, relaxed and stable. And, Feel the goodness of it. You know, just, just enjoy that. And uh, any other source of happiness that presents itself to you. Happy thoughts, whatever. So bring as much joy and happiness as you can into your meditation so you've already got a little momentum. Thoughts like, how wonderful it is for the next hour. I don't belong to the world. This, this is my time for myself. All I have to do is be. Don't have to create anything. Don't have to do anything. Don't have to solve any problems. Don't even have to have any pity soup. All I have to do is be. But that helps to bring it on. Um, and then... If you examine the sensations in your body, you'll, you'll find pleasant ones. 
Uh, and there may be, likewise, in your mind, there may be certain feelings of pleasantness in your mind that arise. When that happens in your meditation, one of the things that you can do, and I do encourage you to experiment with this, is if there is a distinctly pleasant feeling in your body, for example, shift your attention to that and take that as your meditation object for a while and see what happens. And if it fades and goes away, well, it's fine. Just go back to meditating as before. But sometimes it may increase and become stronger. And so just go ahead and go with it. Just watch the way it develops. Uh, Don't get too attached because that might cause it to go away. But the same thing, sometimes there will be a sort of mental happiness that you experience. You'll be sitting there meditating and there will just be uh, a feeling of, of, of the goodness of this moment that arises in your mind. And if that happens, see if you can't just be more aware of that feeling and go with that feeling. See if it won't expand and grow and, and maybe take some hold. There's, there's two ways to approach PT and Sukha. One is you can practice uh, single-pointedly until you achieve unification of mind, and Piti Sukha spontaneously arises when you reach that point that you're no longer that you're no longer grasping and trying. But the other way is you can sort of coax it along and nourish it along all the way from the very beginning. And so then when you sit down and, and you practice some single-pointedness, uh, then a mind that is already uh, colored with uh, some joy and happiness will go into Piti Sukha much more, much more quickly. And then when it arises, I'm It's important not to grasp onto it or to pursue it because there's inherent within that sort of thought a division of mind because there's 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 the aspect of mind that is the piti sukha and then there's the aspect of mind that's trying to grasp onto the piti sukha and so you've already diminished some of the unity that allows it to be there so. When it's there, just you know, be more in that place of acceptance of it. You know, just just be 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 with it. Hopefully, something in that will help deal with your particular situation. Um, I'll just say one other thing is. It's a bit of an exaggeration if I make it sound like your mind, when Piti Sukha is there, your mind is completely unified and completely calm. It's not. It's just that uh, it's so much more so than it usually is. There are still mental processes going on. There is still some degree of disturbance. And there is a tendency that when the mind becomes calm, whatever those deeper things are start to come up to the surface. So you might also watch to see if there's anything that you can can sense that uh, is coming from somewhere else, from some deeper level of your mind, that is, uh, that, the, that the very calm that gives you the piti sukha is giving that a, a chance to come up and present itself.
Good evening. Any other questions? Yes, hi. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was <laughs> waving to a friend. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> Does anyone else have a question? Yes. I find that um, I love our group meditations. I look forward to them. I enjoy them. I grow from them. And I'm just having a heck of a time meditating alone. And it surprises me. I, I don't understand it. There's a resistance to it. When I do it, it's not as satisfying. There's, I don't know if it's something about the group energy that changes it for me, if I'm borrowing you guys' energy to uh, do what I do or what. But. Um. <clears throat> Anybody else have an experience like that? Similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Harder to do it alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And shorter for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, <clears throat> there is something about meditating in a group, and you know, uh, it may be difficult to explain in uh, ordinary, in the ordinary terms that we think about, but. Definitely, there is some sort of group energy, some some sort of combined combination of a psychic fields that takes place. But um, but the real thing I think we need to talk about is is why why it's more difficult when you're by yourself. And <clears throat> other than that, you don't have that same psychic support that comes from being a part of a group. Um, There are certain differences. One is that when you come to a place like this, with a group like this, um, it's a lot more difficult to decide to go and do something else. (laughs) <laughs> right. So, uh, once again, a lot of different mental processes making us up, and so long as there are some of them, some of those processes that think their agendas are more important than the sitting and meditating is, then they are they are going to be a source of. Uh, Agitation, restlessness, uh, you know, laziness, whatever you want to call it, right? And with 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 a group in a situation where following their lead isn't an option, it may be a lo- whole lot easier to they, they they may of their own accord disappear into the background. Whereas when you're by yourself, and you could just as easily go and watch TV, read a book, make a phone call, or something else like that, then they present themselves much more strongly. So you might think of it in that term. That these things are there. These are the things that they're... Uh, there are parts of you that haven't yet bought totally into the idea that spending a part of your day meditating is such a good idea. I think as simply as that. 
Um, so try to get in touch with them when they come up. You know, that's the most effective way to deal with them. If you sit down to meditate and you find that that there is some sort of obstacle, some sort of uh, hindrance to your easily doing that, see if you can become aware of what it is and just observe it and understand it. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that you analyze yourself and say, oh, well, because of A and B, it's probably C, and therefore... I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, well, let's just go ahead and close our eyes and see if, and let's, let's start to meditate and see if whatever it is makes itself obvious. And if it does, we'll take a look at it, that kind of approach. The other thing you might do is just imagine that, you know, well, here I am sitting down and meditating. All over the world, there's other people meditating right now. And so I'll just see if I can tap into that. Become a a part of the group. (laughs) There's no reason, no reason to believe that the intensity of psychic fields falls off with the square of the distance, the way that other things do.